From the Talking Disney Studios in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and Logan, Utah, this is the Talking Disney Podcast. Jason and Cody. I'm Jason. And I'm Cody. Welcome to episode 45 of the Talking Disney Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. And once again, I'm here with my co-host, Cody. How's it going, Cody? Delighted as always. Delighted as always. How you been lately? It's been a while since we've uh, we've spoke face-to-face. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot going on. I mean, we've both had a lot going on. Uh, you probably what- a little more than me. Yeah, I mean, you got a nice little vacation. You had one heck of a road trip to do, but... I did. I did. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, Let's hear about you first. <laughs> I'm just pass, passing the bill off to you. Um, I've been busy. Work's more manageable now than it used to be. I'm trying to plan a wedding. So I'm just under two months away from getting married now. So that's exciting, but every day we're trying to figure things out. Right. But I mean, overall things have been going really good. So good. No, no mental breakdowns quite yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Apparently until until we start tasting cake. I don't know. (laughs) What's what you're you're doing tomorrow, right? Yeah. We're doing that tomorrow. You, you can tell us all about the cake tasting process next next episode man i was excited for it. you got me worried about it now <laughs> no you're gonna you're gonna have fun but man, you might cake, be tired of cake by the time you're done but cake at 10 a.m sign me up <laughs> uh yeah i yeah you mentioned i went on vacation we had a little i uh, was gone from cheyenne for about 10 10 or so days spent five days out in northern arizona um camping with family uh, had a little um, incident with the trailer. It broke again. It broke two years ago when we went out there. Broke again. Uh, same thing broke, just different area. Uh, I'm about frustrated with it. I was trying to think of ways to drive it off a cliff. Or uh, we we saw it was hazy one day, hoping it was a fire, and I was just going to leave it there. Maybe drive it, even drive it to the fire. <laughs> Uh, drive, drive it in and leave it there. <laughs> There's a lot of opportunities so, to drive it off a cliff up there too. There is, there is. Unfortunately, it's more of pushing it off because I'd have to disconnect it from the truck because I want to keep my truck. Uh, but yeah, so we're getting it, uh, we're getting it repaired hopefully, and then we'll see what's going to happen after that. We're, I'm about tired with it. Yeah, about time to get something else maybe, but we'll see. But and is it? Have you figured if the road is just too? extreme is your trailer just not tough enough because uh, well it's just the way they it's it's in the suspension and the way they did it is it doesn't look like it's reinforced very well but you know james drove his trailer up there um another brother-in-law drove his trailer up there just fine uh i drove mine up there going i'm probably the slowest of all of everybody driving up there yeah so i know know it wasn't (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it definitely wasn't 
and, and the, and the way we took wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't bad at all. We, we went the way we were going to go last time when you, when you drove out there with us. Yeah. Uh, this time the road wasn't flooded. So we were able to pass. We didn't have to go back out to the road, way down the road and find an alternate way. Um, it, it was a really good road. There was, there was a couple portions that were, uh, that were kind of rocky, a couple portions that were washboardy, but other than that, wasn't a lot of uh, climbing, no inclines, not a lot of going down. It was it was pretty level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just a bad design. Because um, I know a lot of people that own that same trailer that had the same the same uh, incidents happen, uh, and they're just driving down the road. So so I don't think it's I don't think it's how how, how fast I was driving or how I was driving or even in the road. Um, yeah, just trailers trailers out there all the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we spent, you know, it kind of last time it happened, I didn't discover it till the end of the trip. So I wasn't mad the whole trip this time. As soon as we pulled up to the gate to the cabin area, uh, we were waiting for James to come down and open it. And I looked and I saw it broken. So it was, I tried not to think about it the whole trip, but it was always on my mind. And just every time you laid down at night, you knew that axle right underneath (laughs) your head was just taunting you. Uh, so we were we we were gonna drive down the mountain with James and and Rob and them uh, Wednesday. We decided to stay uh, till Friday, uh, and then we just left before everybody else in case something happened. They were behind us, so we could uh, mm-hmm. we could get a ride or whatever. But it made it off and got it welded up in Washington, Utah, and uh, uh, then dropped it off at uh, at your mom's house. So yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, yeah, they're gonna. He's gonna see if he can do some work on it. I know he's working now. He's out in the mountains of Colorado where all those fires are. Yeah. So. I'm sure, uh, he's hopefully, loving that. Right now, there's a stretch of the 70 that's closed, about 24 miles near Glenwood uh, Canyon or Glenwood Springs. Um, so hopefully, he can get home. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so. Uh, but other than that, had a good had had a good vacation. Back to work this week, um, and uh, ready to get started on this episode. Awesome! So, well, let's get into it. All right. Well, if you've listened to the last two episodes, you know we're we're watching the Imagineering story. Uh, we watched episodes one and two. Uh, we watched three this week. We're going to be talking about three, but before we do that, there's some uh, some news we wanted to talk about um, about Disneyland about. Uh, some Disney movies coming out, a new streaming service, etc. So, we're going to start with Disneyland. Uh, it's opening, Cody, I, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can finally go and ride Rise of the Resistance. No, no. Oh. Uh, unfortunately, let me see my uh, my thing for us here. My phone. Okay, so I saved this on my phone, and apparently, uh, some uh, people who had hotel reservations booked through September fifth have been receiving uh, notifications that uh, that they're not going to be able to use those reservations. So I, I've got a, a sample of the email being sent out. Uh, let me read some of the stuff here. Dear guests, we're sorry to inform you that your upcoming visit with us will be impacted by several closures. We recognize that the COVID-19 situation is constantly evolving, and there are many factors that are helping us determine the timing of when various aspects of our business will reopen in a responsible way. 
Disneyland Park and Disney California Adventure Park remain closed and will reopen at a later date pending state and local government approvals. The hotels of Disneyland Resort are also closed and will reopen at a later date. Given this unprecedented situation, we appreciate your patience and understanding as we navigate through this process as responsibly as we can. Unfortunately, this means we are unable to accommodate your upcoming hotel room reservation. If you have already modified or canceled your upcoming Disneyland Resort hotel room reservation or Walt Disney Travel Company vacation package, no further action needs to be taken. To provide for additional flexibility, we are waiving Disney-imposed change and cancellation fees up to the date of check-in for reservations with arrivals through September 5th, 2020. If you are unable to reach us before your check-in date for such for such time period, you will not be penalized or assess Disney-imposed fees for canceling your Disneyland Resort hotel room reservation or Walt Disney Travel Company vacation package after your check-in date. Uh, so that that's pretty much um, says we anticipate heavy call volume and appreciate your patience as we work hard to respond to all inquiries. Inquiries sincerely, Disney Destinations LLC. So if you've ha- if you had a uh, a vacation planned or a room booked up to September fifth, it will be canceled because they are not opening. Um, so we know it's not opening in the next three weeks or so. Um, and a lot of what is determining with Disneyland will obviously be what's happening in California um, yeah. with, the, with the COVID stuff. Because uh, Florida's open, has remained open, is still open just with all the uh, extra, I guess you could say extra precautions or health measures. or. And from what I heard, a lot of people that I've seen online that are going to Disney World right now, I haven't heard a lot of people complaining about what Disney is doing. I say, I've heard people say that this is the best time to go one, because it's probably the cleanest it has ever been <laughs> Two, for a lot of people. It's probably the least busy they've ever yeah. seen it. Um, and they say really the only reason you're even having to wait in lines is just because the fact that they're not putting as many people on a ride vehicle or train, something like that as they normally right. would. And if it is something that, you know, like a, like an Omnimover type vehicle, you know, I think they alternate which ones that they load. And when someone gets off of it, they sanitize it and let that one go through and empty and kind of air out and let the sanitation dry and all that, the sanitizer dry before they put someone back in that car. Um, yeah. so, and I, I, I would love to go right now, but not in the cards, not in the cards. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, who knows when does, I mean, when did it, when did it close? Was it March 14th, March 16th? Yeah. The 16th seems like a date that sticks in my head. So just March, March, April, May, June, July, August. The 16th was two days before I was supposed to go. My first day at the park was supposed to be March 18th. Okay. March 17th was St. Patrick's Day, which was the day I was supposed to go to the Golden Knights hockey which game. That was a Tuesday, right? Which was a Tuesday. So 16th. So I think the last day was the the 15th then, because that no, would have been Sunday. They announced on Thursday the week before that they were officially going to be closed. Right. But when did they actually close the park? Did they close it that day? 
closed it at the end of the operating day on Friday. Friday. Okay. So that was, I don't have my calendar. Well, yeah, Tuesday not. was the 17th, 16th, 15th, 15th 14th, 13th, 13th. Yeah. Friday, okay. the, Friday the 13th should have known. 13th. Horrible, horrible. But so you're I looking at online. It's like, can we all just admit that Friday the 13th was the last good day we had? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what we're looking at five months. Yeah. Yeah. Cause today's, August 14th. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, all right. So just like Disneyland, another casualty of, uh, of this COVID thing was some Disney movies being pushed back, uh, some coming straight to Disney plus, And we have another one that was supposed to come out on March 27th. Um, I only remember the exact date cause that's my birthday. Uh, then it got pushed back to, a while, I don't know if they pushed it back to April or May. I think they um, knew. I think it was May. They could have May. done April, but I know that there was at one point a date in May. Okay. Well, uh, it is not coming to the theater now. It is going to come to Disney Plus, but you are going to have to pay an additional fee to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk, we'll, we'll share our opinions on that in a minute. Cause I don't know what Cody's opinion is. I don't think he's told me. No, we haven't uh, talked about it. No, we have not. So in order to watch Milan on Disney plus, you're going to have to have a subscription, which you may or may not be paying for right now. Mine's still free through Verizon. Uh, then you're going to have to pay an additional $30 to rent the movie. Um, and as far as I know, it's, as long as you maintain your Disney plus subscription, you're going to have access to the movie. Once you pay your $30. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, if you cancel your subscription and decide to reactivate it, it says you'll still have access to Milan. So as long as you've paid the $30, it will always be on there. Um, so with that being said, what do you think about the, this could have paying the 30 extra dollars to be able to watch Milan. I get why they're doing it. They, and, and no fault to their own, but they are so desperately wanting to make money. Right. As a company, as a film studio, that the, the Walt Disney company needs revenue right now. So you can't charge, you know, and and the only way to somewhat do it fairly, because if they put it just directly onto Disney plus, like there's a lot of people in the situation like yourself where, I mean, I, I suppose Verizon's probably paying for it in some way, but, but for you, basically you're using it for free mm-hmm. until November. Oh, oh yeah. I got a free, I got a year free from Verizon. So, so there's a lot of p- people that if they put it on Disney plus Disney is not going to make any money on right. the film and they spent however much money they spent on making the movie that to throw it on Disney plus and just say, well, here you go is not financially of 
viable option for them. Um, they're probably never going to make as much money as they would if it had a theatrical release, a normal non COVID theatrical release. Right. It's hard to say if they tried to put it in theaters right now, how many people would show up. It's a gamble. Some people would go, some people wouldn't, not all theaters are even open, but the ones that are, are showing like more classic movies and things like that with limited numbers inside the theater. Um, those theaters are extremely upset at Disney for not putting it through a theatrical release. And I don't know why Disney is not just gonna indefinitely postpone it until the situation gets better. Maybe they don't want to wait that long. Maybe they're just wanting, you know, they obviously have a better idea of what the, the big picture is, the large scale um, implications of everything. Maybe they need a little stint of uh, revenue and the only way to put a spike in revenue is by charging people account holders. It's not going to be per person. It's not like a movie theater ticket. It's per account per Disney plus account holder pays the $30. And that's probably just an average uh, a baseline, you know, to where they make the money that they want to make. That's not going to be outrageous for most people. Now, if you're single, like completely single, like a single person and you have your own Disney plus subscription, $30 might be a lot. You could go to a standard movie theater in a standard seat in 2d, you know, nothing fancy, just your standard movie without buying concessions, you know, pay anywhere between 10 and $15 for your movie. And at that point, $30 is twice as expensive that you would have paid if you had just gone to the theater. But in a case like you, where you've got a family of what, six. Yeah. And you took your whole family, you know, it's going to $30 is a steal. If we were, if we were going to the theater now, and if all six of us went, uh, we're probably looking at, uh, since the theater was upgraded, they 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 raised their prices. So we'll say ten dollars a ticket. Mm-hmm. So we're looking we're looking at sixty bucks just to get in, and then probably another forty to fifty bucks for snacks, popcorns, drinks, whatever. Right. Uh, so you're looking at a hundred bucks there, at least. Yeah. So obviously thirty is cheaper. Now, granted, we're not uh, we're not getting the experience of going to a theater with the mm-hmm. big screen, the sound. Right. Uh, so yeah, so th- there's some give and take in this situation sh- for sure. Right. Um, I which yeah, it's I I I'll pro I'll, I'll I'll buy it this time to watch it. I hope this doesn't become a normal practice where they release movies onto Disney Plus and charge you thirty bucks every time. Mm-hmm. Because I, then the question is, if you wait a month. Will they just put it on Disney plus as a part of the subscription base or is it, you know, how long is it going to be only available through what they're calling the premier access? Right now. And it doesn't talk about this in the article that I saw, but it was something I was thinking of because you know, it's going to come out on Blu-ray soon and there's usually a digital copy that you can buy with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, will they add a, 
Disney Plus copy where you can enter a code on a Disney Plus and because you spent $29.99 to get the Blu-ray, you can get the the Disney Plus version too. I, I don't so, know. If that's the case, I would just wait until Disney, it came out. Disney Plus becoming a streaming service and a digital library? Yeah. Could, could, could that be possible? And then what you search for Mulan and if you have the digital version if you, purchased. If you bought it purchased it whatever how, however you got it it's there it's there yeah gosh so Question. if that's the case because i would buy the movie anyways then uh you know yeah. it's probably going to be 24.99 or 29.99 um mm-hmm. so i don't know this one time i'll probably pay the 30 bucks but I mean, I was I really excited it, for this movie back in March. I right, mean, we right. when, when everything shut down, it was like right in the middle of the month. And so we were only 14 days, maybe at the most away from yeah, this movie. Like two, out. two weeks from it coming out. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I'll do it this time, but like I said, I, I, I hope it doesn't become a common practice. Right. Because I don't want to pay $30 every time a movie comes out. And I don't see, I don't go see every Disney movie in the theater. Um, no, not every single one. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. like Artemis Fowl was supposed to be a theatrical release. Right. Shit, that was supposed to be a theatrical release last year. Last year. I think we even got a teaser trailer for it last year. <laughs> and it just we did. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and I still haven't watched that movie. And I still have not watched that movie, <laughs> even though it's on Disney Plus and I have the subscription. Right. I just wasn't, I wasn't interested in watching it per se. Right. Um, and there's a lot of things that have been added to Disney Plus recently in the last few weeks, few months that I haven't. Yeah. Watched. And me, me being gone the last for 10, 10 days in August, you know, late, late July, August, I was out of touch there. There's all kinds of new stuff on there that I, that I see as I'm going through. I was like, I didn't know that was there. Uh, yeah. The one thing I did know was coming was what, what is it called? Howard Howard. And I still haven't seen that. I think I mentioned it a couple episodes ago that it was coming and that's one yeah. that I need to check out. I definitely uh, talk to watch that one. Yeah. So Something you, 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 that they announced this week was the national geographic series. That's going to be about Disney's Walt Disney world's animal kingdom park. Oh, see, I'd never, I didn't even hear about that. I don't think it been announced like a couple days ago and it's called, magic of disney's animal kingdom or whatever okay and so that one looks really interesting animal kingdom was probably arguably my favorite of the four parks when i went and so i'm looking forward to that and you mentioned with the whole thing with disney possibly trying to raise some revenue I, i just wanted to throw in here one real quick i saw a wall street journal article about uh how much money they've lost and it said uh in the said it said, I'll just read the quote. Disney said Tuesday, and this article was, it was updated in August, but I think this came out in July sometime. In the three months that ended on June 27th, last year at that time, they had a profit of $1.43 billion for, for that for that time in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, it says they had a revenue fall of 42% to $11.8 billion. So I'm, 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 if I'm reading that right, they lost like a lot of money. <laughs> um, actually here it says Walt Disney company posted its first quarterly loss since 2001, nearly $5 billion. So not quite 11 billion. That, 
quarterly loss in 2001? Was it all impacted by 9-11? Possibly. People well, afraid uh, to go out in public. Well, in 2001, if it would have been a quarterly loss, yeah, it doesn't say what quarter of 2001. It just said that's the yeah. last so time they was- reported a loss during a quarterly earnings report was in 2001. 2001, yeah. So, and that was five, they lost 560, the they lost 567 million. Yeah. In 2001. 9-11 related. Possibly. And or they were only closed one day. Right. <laughs> exactly. So that shows you how uh, much money the parks right. and movies bring in. Now, other things were closed for a little while because planes weren't flying for a, a little while afterward. There was... You know, travel yeah. was shut down, so yeah, um, people were maybe stuck at the parks or couldn't make it to to their vacation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they definitely have been losing some money. So, and then the other thing I wanted to mention quickly that I didn't know, uh, I guess Disney is launching another streaming service. What, what, so what? Disney Plus has been so successful that they're going to do it again. Um, it just says they're going to launch an all new streaming service in twenty twenty one. And let me read you the quote here. Um, here it is. After the ses- successful launch of Disney Plus last November, Disney chairman and CEO Bob Chapek shared that Disney will be launching a second streaming service under the name Star. And he said, let's see, it said the new service would feature shows and films from ABC, FX, Freeform, Searchlight, and 20th Century Studios. Um and I'll just read his quote real quick. And to this end, I am also pleased to announce that we plan to launch an international direct-to-consumer general entertainment offering under the Star brand in calendar year 2020, 2021. Sorry. Mirroring the strategy we success- successfully pursued with Disney+, Plus, the offering will be rooted in content we own from the prolific and critically acclaimed production engines and libraries of ABC Studios, Fox Television, FX, Freeform, 20th Century Studios, and Searchlight. In many markets, the offering will be fully integrated into our established Disney Plus platform from both a marketing and a technology perspective, and it will be distributed under the Star brand, which has been successfully utilized by the company for other general entertainment platform launches. Um, So... So there's going to be another streaming service, but it sounds like it's going to be tied in or connected to Disney Plus somehow. Uh, so maybe when you log in, you choose your avatar or whatever, and then you'll have you'll choose between do you want to go to Disney Plus or do you want to go to Star. Um, I, I assume it's going to look very similar to Disney Plus's there, mm-hmm. like the uh, uh, what's the interface. word I'm looking for interface, yeah. So. So there you go, another another addition. Instead of just throwing it all on Disney Plus, uh, this way maybe it, it'll be a little more organized. Or so, so yeah, that's all the news I had. I know we haven't talked in a couple weeks, but that's really all I saw that uh, interested me. Um, you know, obviously with Disneyland still being closed, not a lot to talk about there. Um. So if you've got nothing else, we can get on to the Imagining Story Episode 3. Oh, I think that covers about the highlights. Okay. So I watched 
the Imagine Story again today. It was my second or second time this week that I watched it. The third overall because I watched it when when it did come out back in November. Um, and episode three, I'm going to pull up the description here uh, once I can get my Disney Plus up. Um, when did you watch it? Did you watch it this week or? Did watch it this week. I watched it yesterday. Okay. Yeah, because I think I texted you and said it just to make sure that you had watched it because um, we were recording tonight. Um, so episode three, it was titled The Midas Touch. And that's not what I wanted to do. I don't want to play it. Um, I just want to click on it. Okay, so The Midas Touch. It says... Michael Eisner and Frank Wells revive Imagineering and preside over an age of remarkable growth. So it kind of starts out with, um, I think at the end of episode two, I, I think Imagineering was kind of wondering what was going to happen with them. Yeah. Uh, they finished all these projects. Um, what Tokyo, uh, Epcot, Epcot um, and now, now what? Now what? Um, so we move on to episode three, and you have Michael Eisner and Frank Wells, pretty much outsiders. I, I, I think up to that time, it had only been Disney family members who had been running mm-hmm. the, the, the company, and these, these two guys were not um, family members. They were, they, I think Eisner, was he with Paramount? or he, I mean, he was with the studio, but... They both, uh, did, were, one of them were, was Warner Brothers and the other was, I think it might have been Paramount. Okay. For some reason, Michael Eisner's face is, I'm thinking of Par- Paramount, but it could be vice versa. So they they come in and they kind of run the company together. And I think in this, in the, the episode, they kind of compared the two to Walt Disney and Roy Disney with, uh, with Eisner being compared to Walt and... Frank being compared to Roy as kind of the, the level head where Michael had the big ideas and Frank yeah. was kind of the, yeah, that's not going to work or yes, this will work. Um, yeah. My, Michael was really enjoyed the creative aspect of the right. running the company and working with the Imagineers on projects and ideas. And he spent a lot of his time over in the Imagineering camp and right. Frank, Frank Wells was definitely the numbers guy and all the analytical stuff. Right. And when they first came in, um, a, a lot of the episode deals with how they kind of saved Imagineering. And they, they, they had a couple interviews with some people who were in Imagineering at the time. And they were really, they, they were really scared uh, on what was going to happen to them. Uh, and, one of the first interviews I remember seeing today was, I forgot the guy's name too, but he was talking about how they were summoned to a meeting that Eisner was there. Um, and to paraphrase him, he said, basically Imagineering was the kind of the backbone and we needed to keep it running. Uh, yeah. So they were, they were pleased with, uh, with that. And to, to kind of, to kind of emphasize how, how little was thought of Imagineering up to that point after certain things happened. There was a thing that Eisner talked about on his first visit to Imagineering 
the driver who was driving him there got lost, didn't know where Imagineering was. And he was a Disney, he was a Disney executive and didn't know how to get to <laughs> the location of the Imagineering building. So right. he got lost. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they were scared that they were going to be shut down. Oh, here's a quote. I said they called them the crown jewel of the company. So, mm-hmm. um, so Imagineering kind of breathed a sigh of relief and, and, uh, they knew that uh, they were going to be involved for the foreseeable future. Um, and I'm kind of just going over the interesting things. I remember um, Michael Eisner took his son to the park to give him advice on park projects. Yeah. He would bring his yeah. son in, which was, I don't know, a, somewhere in the age of like 12 to 15, I think. Yeah. He was, he was, he was 14 at the time. 14 it would yeah. bring him to, when when Michael would go to Imagineering, he'd bring his son because he figured his son liked going to the parks and was much more in tune with what people would like. Right. Right. And I think overall, the people from Imagineering liked that he did that. It showed the people in Imagineering that, that Michael Eisner cared enough about what Imagineering was doing to get that out. Outside perspective the one the one guy talking i can remember was tony baxter who yeah he was in this one a lot yeah he he was um a lot of the the stuff that they were doing he he was involved with but he remembers saying something to the effect like oh great my future depends on a 12 year old kid or a 14 year old kid yeah Um, but then he he kind of talked about how he thought of himself as a little like as a 12 year old kid um and so he kind of then he started to see in Eisner's kid as kind of a peer. And when, uh, when, when Eisner's kid saw the plans for star tours, basically told his dad, you need to build this. And then his dad said, guys, we need to build this. So that's when they, they, they kind of go into the building of, of star tours. And, um, like, like I've mentioned in the last episodes, a lot of great footage that I had never seen before them actually constructing, start tours them bringing one of the ride vehicles in through the roof. Um, how they, uh, yeah. how the technology, you know, you got to think this is back in the eighties. We didn't have all this technology we have now. And at the time it was, it was fairly, I mean, it was cool because basically they took like airplane simulators and turned it into a ride. Um, so that the people actually thought they were, you know, going to outer space. Um, did you know that they were open for 60 straight hours? at the opening of star star tours. I've heard that somewhere. It wasn't mentioned in the episode. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. They they were open for that many hours and that the line stretched from star tours all the way to main street. Yeah. Sometimes being like four hours long. So, and they didn't have back then, they didn't have the whole reservation system like they have now. (laughs) So, um, I mean, it's pretty impressive. And, probably arguably at the time, I'm sure there was a lot of criticism even from within the company about bringing in an outside IP. I mean, it was the first yeah. attraction Wars, in Disneyland, yeah. not based on a Disney property. Right. Right. And at the time, yeah, it wasn't. So, yeah. um, and then they kind of talked about, they, they mentioned the splash mountain opening, um, and kind of what, you know, with the uh, some of the 
the animatronics that they were bringing over, um, they kind of mentioned it was themed around Song of the South, but they kind of skipped over that very quickly. I think all, yeah. all Angela Bassett said, problematic film <laughs> yeah. from the early days. Because I was curious <laughs> so, when that came up. I was curious to see, because I couldn't remember from the first time watching it, what all was said about Song of the South um, in right. terms of Splash Mountain. And so, um, and uh, yeah, all she said was that they built this ride using recycled animatronics, loosely yeah. based on a uh, problematic film from the 40s or whenever, 50s, whenever yeah. the movie was made. Yeah. So they kind of, uh, e- even though I'm impressed with how they kind of, and I'm not saying Song of the South is a mistake by any means, but you know, they're, they're not shy about saying, yeah, we messed up here. We messed up here. Uh, but then when it comes to like the controversial song of South, they kind of just problematic and let's move on. Uh, so. Right. Um, I mean, I, I don't mean, know I what it. I wanted them to say, but yeah, that's all they really had to say. It but I more curious trying to see what they were going to say this time around than the first time around for sure. Right. Because of right. all the recent things that I've been, that have come up about splash mountain and that it's officially being rethemed. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know what I was expecting them to say either. They definitely right, glossed yeah. over it. They said it was loosely based on a problematic film from right. the 40s or whatever, but yeah. Um, and then one of the biggest things I didn't know that it was uh delayed for so long. Um, I think it, I think it was nine months, eight months, something it was delayed when it was supposed to open. I know they had problems with the uh the actual ride vehicles on that last drop filling with water so they had to kind of redesign the ride vehicle and i mean you still get wet it's still water still comes in but apparently i mean it was coming in like you're in a bathtub kind of thing speaking (laughs) of that it might have happened while you were gone but did you see what happened in disney world with no there was a boat a log on splash mountain during operation that had guests on it that's submerged the the log sank during the oh that's awesome and there there was videos on it online it probably happened while you were on vacation and by the time you came back luckily they didn't have a lap bar because they might not have got out right (laughs) it's funny (laughs) because that crossed my mind um i think it's a seatbelt or something like that okay yeah um that they can just easily unclip you know yeah. But I guess the there was one report that I was looking at that the guests were saying that Disney got mad at them for getting out of the log. Even though the log was completely submerged with water, <laughs> it, the guests took it, the guests took it upon themselves to jump out and you know crawl onto the the side where it's safe. You, yeah, where it's safe where they would have you walk if they right. had to get you out of the boat, if there was an issue with the ride. Right. Cause know, I'm, I'm assuming that the, 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 the log wasn't going anywhere at this point filled with water. No, you don't know who's coming up behind you. You don't know if there's another one coming. Right. I'm getting out. Yeah. So. And so I guess they were coming over the, the PA system before the cast members were actually able to get to them saying, cause they've got cameras all over so they could see the, the log and everything. They're like, right. stay in the log, stay in the log. Um, but the people were like, no, we're, 
we're wet. It's sinking. We're we're getting out of the water. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, the reason it was delayed for so long is because I want to say they got the the log or the flume, the, the the ride vehicles. They got them from a company, tested them. They didn't work. I think they ended up designing their own. I think I've heard their own. on so, another documentary or something that I've seen with Tony Baxter talking about it, that they definitely had to go through several iterations of the log. Right. Yeah. Um, Something that would kind of direct the water away, uh, not fill up the boats. And that was the reason for the delay. And it ended up op- opening what July 17, 1989. So yeah, it was 89. Uh, yeah. So it was supposed to be opening in 88 sometime, but did not happen. Um, and I think one of the, one of the, uh, th- this, this episode had, had a lot of cool things because it was a lot of things like episode one and two, I wasn't like the opening Disneyland. I wasn't there. It's cool to see the footage. I know the history, but a lot of these things from episode three, you know, I've gone on Splash Mountain. I've, I've, uh, ridden star tours. You know, a lot of the things in this episode I had done. Indiana Jones at Disneyland. Exactly. And with the next one that I'm going to talk about Disneyland Paris being open, uh, that was one of Michael Eisner's, um, you know, biggest things at, 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 at that point. And he wanted, I think his words that he wanted Disneyland, which it was called Euro Disneyland when it first opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted that to be the most beautiful theme park ever. Yeah. He uh, said Walt created the original or they call it like the most charming park. Right. Roy created the most magnificent park. Right. And so they wanted Disneyland Paris to be the most beautiful, beautiful park. So, and having been there, I can, I can tell it, it is very, I mean, I don't remember walking around thinking, Oh, this is very beautiful, but it is very It is very detailed. It is very ornate. what you would. Yeah. What you, you would see things that you would think you would see in Europe. So, right. Well, and uh, they talked about that quite in depth in this episode was the level that they went to because they knew that they were building a castle in Europe, in France of all places. And they called right. it like France is like the, the land, land of castles, the land of castles. Yeah. <laughs> so they couldn't, build the same kind of castle that they've built in the United States. Cause here, if you've grown up in the United States and you've only been in the United States, you're not accustomed to seeing castles. Right. So you go to Disneyland. If that's all you, if that's the only castle you've ever seen is the one at Disneyland, you're like, wow, that is amazing. Right. And then you go to Disney world and you're like, whoa, that's so crazy. Cause it's three times as big, but for Europeans having all that history and that lore of castles and knights and things like that. A lot of them probably drove through, fi- drove by five or six castles just to get to Disneyland. So you you need something to impress them. So, well, uh, and what was cool? They they got that stained glass worker that did the mm-hmm. renovation of stained glass at uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, he came out of retirement to do the stained glass at yeah. the Sleeping Beauty Castle at Disneyland Paris. Yeah, and I've seen the stained glass. It's very cool. I mean, amazing. Uh, yeah. And they used a lot of local, local, um, talent, you know, they just didn't rely on people they brought over from, from the States or whatever they, they, they brought in the locals. So one of what's nice, cause they did the same thing when they did Tokyo, when they talked about right. it in the last episode, they used a lot of Japanese artisans. And when they went over here, they used a lot of European artisans to try to help, you know, with the culture aspect of right. it and respect right. the culture and the heritage. And speaking of culture, I was going to talk about this uh, a little bit later, but speaking of culture, when 
I'll call it Euro Disneyland because that's what it was when it first opened. I, I don't like that. I don't, Disneyland Paris to me sounds so much better. Euro yeah. Disneyland, you know, uh, it's, it's in Paris, call it Disneyland Paris. But when that first opened, they didn't serve alcohol. Mm-mm. Um, but still that, on the, the wishes and tradition of, of Walt, not Walt, wanting right. alcohol in right. his parks. And, but in French culture, wine is a huge thing. Uh-huh. And they kind of realized and this is one of them admitting and knowing that they made a mistake and they changed it shortly after it opened wine was introduced into the park because, because I, go ahead. I was just going to say that they were talking in the episode that the French almost felt disrespected or that Disney right. as a company didn't understand who they were as a people. Right. They didn't understand the French culture. They couldn't, when they sat down at a, at a sit down restaurant for dinner that they couldn't have a glass of wine with their meal. Even if it was more or less theme park food, they were sitting down at a restaurant. They expected to be able to order a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that was one. And then there was quite a, quite a few people at the time that they, you know, announced it was being built. They didn't want it there. Uh, They felt um, they didn't want some cartoon mouse over there. Um, and the thing here, I think he said French communists is, is what he referred to him. I mean, Michael Eisner got eggs thrown at him and there was protests. Yeah. And uh, so it's very interesting. It from wasn't the last episode we watched seeing the embrace of the Japanese okay. with Disney. Right. Versus yeah. yeah ju- they wanted it. They, you know, <laughs> yeah. please, uh, please, whatever yeah. it takes build here. Right. Right. And even, even to the point they said, we'll pay for, you know, we'll pay for everything. Just, yeah. <laughs> Well, because in that in that phone call that we talked about in the last episode, he, they were making outrageous requests to the Japanese, and at the end, Japanese said, "Okay, let's do it." You know, they <laughs> where, want. yeah, where there was a little different. Um, a lot of people weren't on board. Uh, got you know, eggs and flour thrown at them. Um, yeah. So, but I think over time they they uh, they kind of grew into it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Euro Disneyland slash what they now call Disneyland Paris um, was 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 a big part of this episode, and they they did talk about financial struggles in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, a restructuring of the way it was run, and then at that point the the name changed to Disneyland Paris. Well, another more- thing they talked about is something that they realized they did wrong, and then soon thereafter changed was thinking that they could charge the French what they mm-hmm. were charging people in Walt Disney world. Right. Um, to go to at the time Euro Disneyland. Right. Yeah. Um, and they realized that it's just, it's a different market. It's a different demand. Right. And it, they, 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 they admitted they had built too many hotel rooms cause the, they were yeah. at like 60% capacity. Um, so yeah, they, they knew their mistakes and they, and they fixed them, you know, yeah. obviously you lower the prices, you're going to get more people in hotel rooms are going to fill up. So, yeah. um, and it was very affordable when I went. Doesn't work at Disneyland. They raised the prices, and more people yeah. show up. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I think that was mentioned in this article. At one point, Michael Eisner and Frank Wells increased. Yeah, I forgot the year, but increased the Disneyland entry fee by thirty percent, and mm-hmm. the park got busier. Yeah, and park got busier. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and you know, every year for the past however many years, ticket prices have gone up, annual pass prices have gone up. And it keeps getting busier and busier. More, more people go. Yeah. So, um, 
I don't think you could do that in Disneyland Paris. Um, and I don't know what it costs now to go in it, but it, it wasn't, I didn't think it was out, outrageous. And, uh, at the time I went, um, I was, we were getting ready to come back to the States. Uh, I actually found some guys, it was a French blog of these two brothers that had Disneyland passes. Uh, they would go to Disney, you know, they write about their Disneyland Paris visits all the time. And at that point, which was 2010, yeah, I want to say an annual pass, whatever it costs in, I think at the time they were using euros, but it, it was equivalent to like $99 American money. So it, it, it was, I, I thought very affordable. I mean, I'd, I'd pay, I, I'd pay $99 for a pass <laughs> oh, absolutely. right now. So, um, so yeah, they, they, Disneyland Paris is built. They, they, uh, uh, successful to a point, went through some troubles, restructured. Um, and, and then I remember well enough now because they have announced, uh, and who knows how the current pandemic will affect things, but they have within the last year announced that they're expanding Disneyland mm-hmm. Paris. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they must be yeah. doing well enough and getting enough occupancy and attendance. So good for them. Right. Right. And then they talked about a little bit about the tower of terror, which I don't think you were too interested in cause you're not a fan of the ride, but, um, I just remember somebody talking about how the, their, their plan for the ride at, at Walt Disney world and how it was going to not only go up and down, but it was the, the elevator car was going to move sideways. And Michael Eisner was so excited about that. He was like that we got to build this, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And then them bringing in instead of, um, the Imagineers trying to figure out how to make this elevator fall. They brought in people who actually worked, who designed elevators. Right. And instead of, instead of making them not fall, they had to go a complete 180 and figure out how to make them fall. <laughs> so, yeah. um, cause they, they actually, they fall. They don't actually fall. They're actually pulled down. You they're actually pulled. go down faster than, yeah. than if you were to actually drop 13 yeah, it, stories, it's not a longer. It's, it's, right. it's quicker and faster and there's more force than a free fall. Cause you are being pulled down. Down. Yeah. Somebody mentioned like 13 floors in just a little over a second that it can fall. So that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if they still, if that's still the, so the thing I, I mean, know, I've been totally, on it and I, and I know I don't like it, but I don't know if I've, I mean, and it's hard to tell your, your perception of distance is completely right. out of whack because it's, it's dark. And even right. now in California adventure where they've got it rethemed to guardians of the galaxy, there's lights and there's screens and eighties right. drop in, but you're you can pull back up you're how many floors you're falling. Right. But I, I don't know, 13 floors in a second, a little over a second. That's uh, totally, totally off like Disneyland. I, I, last year we went down to Denver to watch a play and we stayed, stayed at this hotel. I think it was the Hyatt and the elevator. And dropped. The, well, no, we, okay. We got on the elevator. We were staying on like the 31st or 32nd floor. Right. Dang. So we get on the elevator and we hit the floor and it shot up so fast that we had to hold on. I mean, it, it <laughs> took, I was like, that couldn't have taken very long to get up 31 floors. Right. So, uh, so we went to our, our room, we, we put our stuff down, we got dressed and we were leaving to go to the play. And I'm like, I'm going to time how fast this thing goes down. So we got on and man, that thing dropped so fast. I want to say, 31 floors uh-huh. in 
it was like 13 seconds, 12 to 13 seconds. And Dang. we, we actually had to hold on to the bars because it, was- it was going so fast. And it was like one of those things that was like, yeah, that's kind of cool, but I don't think it should be dropping that fast. And I don't want to really go back up to my room. <laughs> so it's uh, funny. Cause I've, and I don't remember when it was or where I was or what hotel or whatever, but I've been in a hotel or in an elevator like that in a, in a tall building where they, some of those elevators have some speed to them. Right. To really crank up and get up to those higher floors like that. Yeah, it was the, it was kind of the first time it was kind of, it was kind of scared me because I was like, I've never been on an elevator that goes this fast, you know, besides I mean, Tower you, of Terror. Can you imagine if it was the elevator, like at the mall where it takes 25 seconds to go one floor? Right. Yeah. <laughs> elevator at my work. We have, we have eight floors and uh-huh. I just, I just tried it when I got back to work. I was like, I'm going to see how long it takes me to go from one to eight. It took me 19 seconds just to go from one to eight. So <laughs> <laughs> And I was doing, you know, 31 floors in like 12 to 13 seconds. So, uh, it was ridiculous, but anyways, back to uh, tower of terror. So, uh, Iser was around the time when the tower of terror, uh, you know, Iser and Wells and, uh, fairly successful, right? I mean, a lot of people were mad when it was rethemed in, in, in Disneyland. Um, and then it talked about Indiana Jones. Um, and I guess Eisner wanted it built in Adventureland. Mm-hmm. I guess he, I guess he got a lot of, a lot of pushback on why yeah. do we need another ride in Adventureland? Where are we going to put it? We don't have enough room. Uh, and he said, I, I got this letter with all the reasons why we shouldn't build it. And the person interviewed then said, then he cranked out a letter saying all the reasons we need to build this. All the and reasons we can't afford not we, to. Yeah. There you go. We can't afford not to build it. Uh, Indiana Jones was, was a pretty popular, uh, franchise at that point in the movies, Harrison Ford. Uh, you know, they they basically invented this ride vehicle uh, yeah. that makes you think you're actually going, you know, you're off-road, you're going this, and it's basically just the ride moving, the ride vehicle it's, moving up and down. It's basically a flight simulator on wheels. Wheel, exactly, yeah. Um, and they, you know, rerouted part of the monorail to get it in. They, they, they put it basically... It, it talked about, which I think Indiana Jones has one of the probably most coolest cues mm-hmm. of any of the rides that I've, that I've been, been on. It's you're kind of immersed in this, 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 uh, expedition, you know, you're, you're seeing, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it. You, you're seeing this thing and it feels like you're actually, you know, I don't, I do, I do I want to say like, you're actually there, but it, Legit. You're kind, yeah, it's 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 legit. I mean, I mean, to it the looks like this archaeological site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's interactive. There's things you can touch. There's things you can, you know, at the they they used to hand out that that little card with the uh, with the codes on it, and you could decipher the code as you're walking along. And yeah, which I, I don't know if it used to be brighter in there, or if the paint off for the symbols have just yeah dull and they haven't touched them up because they right. don't pass out the cards anymore. But some of those symbols are hard to read in some of those yeah. places. Like yeah. unless people were carrying flashlights with them, I don't know how you'd see them sometimes. And the, the entrance kind of, it's a, it serves as two purposes to get you ready for the ride, but then it's also getting you underground mm-hmm. to go on the ride. Cause it's built underneath. Uh, 
It's yeah, because you go underneath the railroad track and onto the other side of the berm of Disneyland. So the main show building is outside the the technical limits of the park. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, Indiana Jones, very, very cool ride. Like, like I mentioned with all these, these, these are rides that I've got to experience. You know, I've, I mean, Indiana Jones is probably like my, in my top two rides at Disneyland it? Park. Yeah, I, off the top of my head, I'll say top five at least. Mm-hmm. No lower than five. I'm, it I'm didn't sure used to be that high on the list for me, but as I've gotten older, yeah. within the last five years, that one's really started to grow on me. Yeah, and uh, they talked with Tony Baxter on this one because they were they were talking about they 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 needed to get the scene with the rolling ball in there, but you know rides they go forward. How do you make a ride go backwards? You know, right to to seem like it's going backwards. And he told the story. He's sitting in the car wash, and he's surrounded, and the things beside him made it feel like his car was going backwards. He's like, I got it. That's that's all we need to do. So yeah. uh, when that ball's rolling at you, you're not really retreating. It just mm-hmm. seems like you are. The walls are moving. Yeah. Uh, to, to give you that, and it's similar to, I, I, I'm sure it's it, it's it's happened to you when you're sitting at a at a stoplight, and a car rolls up, mm-hmm. and the car starts to move, and you think you're moving, and yeah, you think you're moving. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you slam on the brake really quick. <laughs> so, you're already on the brake, but yeah, it, it just it's something with the the angle and the perception of the mm-hmm. eye, and just the subtle movement in your peripheral to make it feel like you're the object that's moving right. and that your surroundings are stationary. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's, it's an illusion and that's arguably what Disney does best not to try to necessarily trick anyone in a mean way, but it's all these illusions. I mean, main street's an illusion, the castle's an illusion. And they talked yeah. about that. Even uh, some of the color scheming at the Disneyland Paris castle and they use it in all the castles. But the base is darker than the turrets of the castle to make it appear taller than it actually is. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I forgot to mention, kind of going back to um, going back to Disneyland Paris, and I, and I wanted to mention it. Um, they talked about Big Thunder Mountain Railroad at Disneyland Paris and how how Europeans were fascinated with you know the American frontier west yeah. you know type period and so they wanted to make this big thunder mountain row which was successful at other parks i think this was the fourth one i think they called it the fourth time was the charm yeah because uh, they've been, so they've been all the other parks so far yeah yeah so and as going on now I've, I've never been on the one at walt disney world i've been on disneyland and i've been on this disney paris mm-hmm. one. the disney paris one to me even though i love big thunder mountain road and and disneyland the big, the one in Paris just blows it away. Yeah. Just, just by the way it, it starts you off on one side of the river, mm-hmm. takes you under the river into basically what, like if, if it was at Disneyland where the, uh, pirates, the Tom Sawyer Island pirate layer thing, right. you're there on the right. So when you're walking around the, the river there, you can see the train going, you can see people screaming and it's kind of a, like a focal point. Yeah. Um, and uh it's the heart of their frontier land frontier land yeah yeah and then they then they moved over to what their tomorrowland is but they call it discovery land mm-hmm. which i think is a cool cool concept because you can you can then where where our tomorrowland disneyland is outdated yep yeah 
because once you build a Tomorrowland, the very next day it's outdated because it's now tomorrow. You know, the, the technology is already there. Yeah. But their Discovery Land, they themed it with rides with what tomorrow was supposed to be. So it never really goes out of, out of style. Mm-hmm. And, their, and their Space Mountain, I love Space Mountain at Disneyland. Space Mountain at Disneyland Paris, it launches you into the building. And the then vertical got, launch. Yeah, and that's something they had to design because they said, I think they said it was the first time that had been done. Yeah, they did. Um, you get a ride. You there. You you have three times you go upside down. Uh, yeah, the the in the dark the inversion, the dark inversions. Yeah. 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 So I because I I'm pretty sure it had one loop and then it had like two kind of corkscrew style. Yeah. Which which we don't have. Um, you know, but it's it's designed or it's it's themed after jules verne mm-hmm. uh novels and i mean discovery land is is just cool um and not to knock disneyland but you know space mountain's a classic ride to me at disneyland i wouldn't want him to change it but space mountain and disneyland paris is just, it's just the thing awesome about ride. it is i don't know i i don't know what other parks have a space mountain i know there's one in tokyo there's one in California, Florida, and Paris. I don't know if they have one in Hong Kong or Shanghai. Yeah, I'm but not every sure. every one is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I think we talked about that. The one at Tokyo is different than California. California is different than Florida, and Florida all and all those three, none of them have that vertical launch. So, Space Mountains are all a little bit different. Uh, Walt Disney World, well, at the Magic Kingdom, they have one. Disneyland, they have one. Tokyo, Disneyland. Disneyland, Paris, and Hong Kong. So there is one in Hong Kong, but not Shanghai. Not Shanghai. So I mean, I've I've talked about it several times with with Tomorrowland. I really feel that, and I I know it's hard to especially scrap an entire land from the original Disneyland park that was created by Walt Disney himself. But like you said, it's hard to keep up with Tomorrow. Right, right. Um, Discovery Land is much better because it never really becomes outdated because it's it's more of a um, what tomorrow could have been, you know. Right, and right. not aiming to try to prove what tomorrow can be, yeah. you know. So yeah, that that's something that I forgot to mention earlier. So um, I I felt that since I I really started looking into a lot of Disney stuff within the last five years or so of my life. Um, I've felt that they've needed to change Tomorrowland and make them turn them into all into discovery lands. Yeah. I mean, you can keep the Tomorrowland name, I guess. Cause it is, I mean, it's one of Walt's lands. So I don't, I don't want to mess <laughs> with that, but, uh, but I mean, yeah, it's what do we have in our Tomorrowland buzz Lightyear, right. star tours, which technically star Wars is, a long time ago. So that threw off the whole concept of Tomorrowland since the, the eighties. You have space mountain, you have Autopia. Autopia and technically finding Nemo submarine voyage is in Tomorrowland. Yeah. Yeah. I would, you got two Pixar properties in there. I would somehow either get rid of those. Buzz Lightyear is just, I mean, we need to get rid of Buzz Lightyear. We do. It's, I'm sorry. I've, I, I think the, the, the the Finding Nemo ride would be cool as something like themed like a Jules Verne type, uh, like a submarine. what like a Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, 
yeah. go back. I mean, it used to be a 20,000 leagues under go the back. sea. Go back. Yeah. I, Just I, yeah. an updated 20,000 leagues under yeah. the sea. They could make that cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Maybe, now, maybe we'll, maybe we'll plan a show where we, where we redesign Tomorrowland. Okay. Then I'm going to save my question because I could, I think we could really get into that and that would be a fun episode. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to refrain from saying any more. Okay. All right. So I think, I think that leads that, that brings us to the end of the episode, um, which kind of episode one ended sad. I was, I was <laughs> going to say it like this ended yeah. sad, like episode one. Episode two kind of, cause was kind of sad. Hey, everything's done now. Now what do we do? Are we going to, you know, yeah, the, they left they were, us off with what is the fate of Imagineering? Right, right. Wasn't really sad, but kind of ominous. It was, and they, they talked about uh, a lot of people losing their jobs with Imagineering. So they <laughs> went from a Christmas every year. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we get to episode three and it's exciting. You know, you got tower of terror, you got, you got Disneyland or Euro Disney opening, you got Indiana Jones, you got splash mountain. And then we get to the end of episode three and, yeah. uh, you know, Michael Eisner, Frank Wells partnership, they, they were really successful. I mean, mm-hmm. during, during this time period, um, they, they took the company and they, I mean, they did a great job and yeah. Frank Wells dies in a helicopter crash. I mean, he was, he was an adventurer. He, he like he, I think he scaled, uh, they said the tallest mountain. I'm assuming they were talking about Everest. It's gotta um, be. Yeah. And then he ends up, um, he was on a helicopter ride heading to a ski trip, I believe. And what's crazy is I always, and I knew he died in a helicopter accident. I always assumed that it was foreign, that it happened outside of the country for whatever reason. But this happened at the Ruby Mountains, which, and I don't know if you realize this, I used to live in Spring Creek, Nevada, which I, I looked at the Ruby mountains every night and at sunset, they turn this beautiful red color, the entire mountain. And that's why they're called the Ruby mountains because right. of the way that the, the sunset hits them. And I didn't realize that those were the mountains where his helicopter crash took right. place. Yeah. Apparently he was, he was leaving. He had already been skiing. It says Wells died in a helicopter crash Easter of 1994 while returning from a ski trip in Nevada's Ruby mountains. He was good friends with Clint Eastwood and Clint Eastwood was there that weekend. Eastwood had left in his own, own helicopter hours before Wells left. Uh, poor weather in the area, the Bell 206 helicopter carrying Wells. Um, I said it had landed about two hours before the crash because the weather was bad. Weather conditions improved um, during, but the, there was snow on the, on the, on the copter during the takeoff and ascent, the engine lost power. And the area, the aircraft cla- crashed on a 30 degree slope, rolled over. Uh, and, um, from what the episode said that he, that he died immediately. So, mm-hmm. uh, there was five people on board, four were killed, one survivor, uh, and Wells is buried at forest lawn, Hollywood Hills cemetery. Um, so mm-hmm. tragic. I mean, uh, it really was but, sad the way they portrayed 19, it. In the film, Lion King came out the summer after, um, and I guess there's a dedication at the end of the credits. I'll, I'll, I'll have to watch that so because I don't remember seeing it. Uh, and in the build, a building housing the Walt Disney Archives at Walt Disney Studios is named in Wells's honor, and he he has a window on Main Street, and, and it's for, themed 
go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Oh, it's it, the window because all the windows have different. You may run a certain business, but it's it's, it's like an adventure business, basically. Yeah, it was so, some sort of uh, mountain expedition. Yeah. Thing. Uh, yeah, some some yeah. So. The, and there was also a time before the most recent major renovation of Matterhorn, there was a toolbox or crate or something um, near the top of the mountain where, and it said uh, the Wells expedition. expedition. Yeah. And so yeah. that was a, a, a homage to him as well. Disney, Disney's good at that. Le- leaving things in the park, you know, that, if you don't know the history, you, you'll just see it be like, okay, it's just part of the attraction, but mm-hmm. actually having meaning to the things they left. And then the episode ended with kind of Eisner, instead of being the, the creative one, kind of fell back into where he, 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 he wasn't doing the creative things. He was, yeah, the, the death of Frank, Frank Wells, I think really affected him because it, it, it was a, it was a partnership. Uh, yeah. And I, I like that it seemed yeah. like they were very close. They were, yeah. they were partners. They were business partners. They ran that company together, but right. it seemed like they had a very close personal relationship. Yep. So, so yeah, that was episode three, uh, episode four. Next time we talk, we'll talk about it. It was titled hit or miss. And the quick synopsis says during an era of austerity, the Imagineers struggle over a compromising core design philosophies so i wonder what uh what that's going to be disney california adventure (laughs) (laughs) that's the episode where Uh, disney california adventure is introduced okay yeah i don't i i don't actually remember so um, i'm almost positive that it's in the hit or miss episode yeah um yes it's here, I got another. Topics covered include the success of the Disney Cruise Line, Disney's Animal Kingdom, and Tokyo Disney Sea, mm-hmm. the unrealized projects of Disney's America and Westcott. Uh, so, where Westcott is going to be where California Adventure is, and mm-hmm. the failures of Disney's California Adventure, Walt Disney Studios Park, and Hong Kong Disneyland. So, um, hit or miss. I mean, so, and, and we'll probably talk about this more on our next episode, but what I like about this show in general is that it's not a puff piece. It's not Imagineering is great. Everything right. we've done has been pure bliss and gold. Everything we touch turns to gold. Um, you know, cause I'll, they'll talk. And I think, uh, Michael Eisner had some interviews that was filmed specifically for this show in this episode. I think it comes back in the next episode a little bit and you know, they're not shy when they talk about how Disney California adventure was not really what they wanted it to be or what they hoped it would be. And see, I was on the, the first time I went to California, Adventure, I remember it being, I thought it was cool. A lot of the stuff that they took out during the, uh, when they revamped it, I missed, Yeah, uh, you know, that when you walk it in, you got the, the, the golden gate bridge, you know, at the, near the front, you know, the, post, the picturesque postcard. postcard. Entry. Yeah. Yeah. The, the big California letters. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I mean, there, there are definitely things like that, that I miss as well. Yeah. Um, I thought the pier was great the way it used to be with the yeah. big orange and, you know, just the way that the pier area looked back in the day playing that, that beach boys music and everything. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of things that I'm glad have now been changed in that right. park. Um, and we'll get into that next week, but yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's all I got. Uh, if you haven't checked out, um, the imaginary story, Disney plus, if you have it, check it out. Uh, and actually Angela Bassett was nominated for a primetime Emmy award as mm-hmm. outstanding narrator. Um, I don't know when those are going to be, uh, but, um, she was nominated. So congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all I got, Cody, for tonight. For tonight. Um, for tonight. Yeah. Let me uh let me share a few of our social media stuff and then we will get out of here. Uh, I know you got a busy weekend of tasting cake. Yeah. I think tomorrow I'm going to the farmer's market. It's been open two weeks, but we've been gone the last two weekends. So we're gonna go check out the farmer's market here. Very cool. Uh, and uh see if uh if this pandemic has affected any of the fruit and vegetables that we normally buy. See if they're Do you there. have to wear a face covering at the market? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it didn't say. Do you guys have a mandate in Cheyenne for that? We do, we do not have a mandate in Cheyenne. Okay. Uh, certain stores, obviously Walmart, stores mm-hmm. like that, uh, you have to wear it in. Um, but as far as if we're out in public, if, the, if the, the company or the business that you're going into doesn't require you to wear a mask, you don't have to. Okay. Uh, so we will see it's, I mean, it's outdoors. Um, within the last couple of weeks and it might've been two weeks ago, Logan, the city where I live issued a mandate for masks in okay. public. Well, hopefully that's over by October, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're outside the city limits for the oh, wedding. Okay. So don't worry. All right. Yeah. Nothing well, here. I was at uh, the the car dealership today uh, with my fiance to get uh, a safety recall done on her vehicle, and we and I don't know if that makes us bad, um, but we walked in there. They didn't have now there is a city mandate, but they didn't have anything posted on their doors or anything about wearing a mask inside, and yeah. we went in without it. And obviously, everywhere you go, the employees are always wearing them wherever you go because that's just what those companies are having their employees do probably so more or less they can stay in business. But right. You know, no one batted an eye. There were other people, other patrons, other customers in there that were not wearing them. So I don't know. know, Obviously when we're on vacation out in the mountain, we didn't have on. Yeah. Uh, Certain places we stopped in Utah said wear a mask if you're inside, but for the, for the most part on our drive there and back, Mm-hmm. We carried them in, in our pocket just in case. Uh, we were in Moab, went out to dinner with your mom and Les, and um, didn't wear, didn't have to wear them. Uh, mm-hmm. Saw about half the people walking down the street with them, half not. Uh, yeah, because if you're going out of those little shops, technically Moab does have a mandate. Um, right. But uh, so if they're going consistently in and out of all those little shops, when I was there a month ago with my fiance. We had them and we just left them on because we were going into the shop that was 
right oh, next okay. door. We just went out know? to the restaurant. So yeah, yeah, it is difficult to so eat. Colorado, with when I'm driving through. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Colorado coming through, they had signs saying it was, uh, if you're out in public, you're you're supposed to have them on. Um, so hmm. we only stopped once, I think, to get gas. So yeah, uh, but yeah, we don't we don't have it here. So. Cool. All right. Um, social media. If you are on social media and you want to follow us or uh, see what we're doing, uh, we try to stay as active as possible. We do. We 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 do go quiet for a while because we're busy. We have lives. So um, you can find us on Facebook at Talking Disney Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Disney. On Instagram, we're at Talking Disney Podcast. You can email us at TalkingDisneyPodcast at gmail.com and visit the website, www.TalkingDisneyPodcast.com. And we'll always post a show there first. So Um, we'll try to get some stuff out on social media this week. Maybe maybe we need to hire a social media guy. That could just do it for us all the time. If you'll pay me, I'll be better about doing it. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about that later. All right, so that's all I got, Cody. Uh, any give any your daughter money? like five dollars a month to post for us. Right, right. She doesn't. She's not a big social media person. So you're probably uh, thankful for that. Probably, yeah. Very thankful. So none so of that's all I got. Really. No, no, no. I'm 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 more than all of them. So yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So that's all I got. You got any last minute? alibis thanks for listening all right yeah thank you for listening thanks for taking time out hopefully uh it's not three weeks before we're back with the next episode um we don't have i don't have any vacations the next couple weeks uh maybe maybe a small one to go back out and pick up my trailer but we'll see so uh so if that's it then uh thanks for uh Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for taking time out of your day. We really appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Yeah, folks. And me and my pals hope you had a swell time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mickey? Uh-huh? It's that time. Uh, what time is that, Minnie? Oh, <laughs> Goofy? Huh? Oh. Now, now it's time, time to say goodnight. Bye. To all our company. Oh, my see. See you real soon. Always Mickey Mouse. K E Y. Why? Because we like you. Now.